I grew up in, um, Elam down in Blenheim. And so we are in for a good word. So can we just stand in and give a huge welcome and honor Bob and Maggie as they come up and share with us this morning. Thanks so much. Awesome. So good to be, so good to be back with you. We love coming here. This is family to us. And uh, it's great to be able to share with you today. And uh, Jaden has certainly grown a few inches since we first knew him. <laughs> awesome. So my wife's going to just share a word that's on her heart, and uh, then we'll get into the Word of God. Just a scripture that um, the Holy Spirit just gave to me. And, you know, it's a scripture that I just could not shake. I, I couldn't get away from it. I couldn't, um, I just, it, it, it just, it, it was just there, and there's no way that I could um, get around it. And uh, so I knew that it was something that God was just wanting me to share with you, our people today. And um, in Micah 2 and verse 14, it says that God will break open a way, that you will pass through the gates and come out. The king will pass through before you, the Lord at your head. And there was just this sense of people that were, you know, it was like you had a, a mountain in front of you or just like a brick wall and, and there was no way out. There was no way through. No matter, no matter how much you tried, it was like there in front of you and you couldn't get through it. You couldn't get past it. You couldn't go around it. Holy Spirit wants you to know that God is in it with you. God has gone before you. God is going to break open the way. You're going to pass through and, and with God at your, you, at your head and, and it's just this need within you that needs to say, God, there needs to be a cry that comes out of you that says, God, I want more. God, I need more. God, I need more of your fire. I need more of your anointing. I need more of your power. God, I had enough, but God, there's not enough now. God, I need more. God, I want more. And I tell you that as you cry, that cry comes out of your being, as it comes out of your spirit. It's like you're going to touch the anointing of God, and there's going to be like this breaker's anointing that's going to come on your life, and you're going to break through on the right. You're going to break through on the left, and God is going to be with you. He's, he's going to go before you. In Isaiah 45, it says, I will level the mountains. I will break through the bars of iron. I will cut through the bars of bronze. I will give you treasures, riches in dark places. You know, it's out of that dark place that the treasure's going to come. It's out of that dark place that God's going to bring the anointing, and you're going to carry it, and you're going to be like, you're going to carry that breaker's anointing that's going to go in front of you, it's going to go behind you, it's going to be all around about you, because God is with you. Thanks, honey. Awesome. God is so good. It's going to be breakthrough here this morning. God wants to touch every individual's life, your life, and uh, let's be open to all that he has. I'm continuing the series of Into the New, and my question this morning is this, you know, what do you do when, when the new is a valley? 
You know, what do you do in the valley? How do you turn that around? And, you know, it takes a mixture of life's experiences to make us who we are. You know, there are good times, there are bad times. There's pain and there's pleasure. There's victory and defeat, success and failure, mountaintops and valleys. You know, if you never had any downtimes, you know, you simply wouldn't develop any character. You wouldn't be able to face the difficulties that still lie ahead. You wouldn't be of any use to somebody who's going through a really hard time because you've never felt pain before and you've never gone through things. The fact that you have, the fact you've had valleys in your life means that you have something to offer to others. It's interesting when you look at valleys in the Bible because they, they talk about darkness, they talk about sickness, they talk about trouble, they talk about weeping. But if you dig further, you find that the valleys never stay in that state. There is great intimacy that's found in the valley. There are answers to prayer. Battles are won. Transformations, breakthrough, healing, renewal, and blessing. All of these things happen in the valley as people travel through the situation. In fact, the names of valleys in the Bible are changed because of the experiences that happen there. In Hosea, it talks about the valley of Achor. Achor means trouble. And, you know, it's talking about when you go through a, a time of trouble, it says, I will, God says, I will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. So whether the trouble is of your own making or someone else's or just the circumstances you find yourself in, God says, in that place where there is trouble, I will open a door of hope. God makes a way. For us in that place. In Psalm 84, it talks about the valley of weeping, talking about people on a pilgrimage, people on a journey, and they travel through all sorts of different settings, but they also travel through a valley of weeping. It might be that they've lost somebody, or an injury happens on the way, or, or, or something goes wrong on the way, and, and there's a place of weeping, and all of us go through those times. There's a season that happens, and but you know, when, but what God says is that it will become a place of refreshing springs. You know, in, in one of the Psalms, Psalm 30, it talks about weeping may endure for an evening and a night, but joy comes in the morning. That scripture means a lot to us because when Maggie was having our third child and it was our first uh, child as a Christian, and um, so we had a different perspective on, on things. But so I was in the hospital, and my mum was looking after our, two of our kids, and, and I wasn't sure whether to stay or, or go home, you know, because Maggie either has a baby, just pops, happens, you know, before you hardly get to the hospital, or it can take a long time. And uh, I think this one was taking a while. Anyway, I, I rang mum to see how she's getting on, and she said, she said, you know, the scripture, I just keep getting the scripture. You know, weeping may endure for, for, the, for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And I thought, right, I'll take that. You know, that means the baby's coming in the morning. And uh, I went home to give mum a break, and I don't think Maggie got much, much rest that night, I wouldn't imagine. And, uh, and the baby came in the morning, and uh, we were, you know, we couldn't quite pick a name for her. Maggie liked Haley. And, and I just, oh, I wasn't so sure about that. And, and then there was a joy thing, and I liked joy. And, 
and, uh, and then I thought, Haley, Haley, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, that's a great name for a, for a child, you know. And so we called her Haley, but to me it was always hallelujah. And joy in the Holy Spirit, you know. I mean, we're Pentecostal, and uh, this baby was pretty special. But, um, but, you know, the reality is weeping can endure for a season, but at the end of it, that's when the joy comes. That's when the answer, the breakthrough happens and the blessing comes. In the valley of giants, you will find breakthrough. You know, David was 37 years of age, had his third anointing. So he'd come to the place of being the king over all of Israel and Judah. He took the armies, he overcame Jerusalem and set up his throne there. And, but as soon as he did that, the Bible says that the old enemies of Israel the Philistines heard that David had been made king. And so they came out to challenge him and to attack him. And, you know, we can learn from that. You know, if, if, you know where there is promotion, where you come into something new, sometimes it can be, you know, a promotion at work. It could be with business. It can even be in family. You know, as family grows and children come, all of these things, different challenges happen, you know, at different stages of your life. For David, it was like he just came and, and the enemy comes out in force against him. Not only did they come out in force, but they came out to a place where they'd had victories in the past. It was called the Valley of Rephaim, the Valley of Giants. And of course, the giants were among the Philistines. And so they came there, and they came not just with the army, they brought all their gods. So, you know, demonically and spiritually, they were coming against David, and they were coming against God. And they were in the valley. And David sought God and said, God, what should I do? God said, you go down into the valley. You will defeat them. And David went down there, and he defeated them twice. And, you know, he didn't leave the valley the same as it was. He renamed it. It, was, it had been called the Valley of Giants for such a long time. But now David came, and he called it the Valley of the God of the Breakthrough. And, you know, that's our God. You know, that's the anointing over this church, over Elam, is the, the mantle of breakthrough and breaking through in the spirit. You see, what happened and came against David wasn't just the army, but it was a spiritual attack. Some of you are facing things, and you need to understand that what might be happening in the natural, it might be like a redundancy, or it might be pressure with business, or it might be relationships, or Sheer market loss. Could be all sorts of things. You know, alongside of it, there's a spiritual side. And as Christians, you've got to deal with that. You've got to take authority like David and seek God. God says, go and do this and do that. And God will lead you in overcoming the works of the enemy and giving you the victory. Rename the valley. You know, if it's, if it's a valley of pain, if it's the valley of financial whatever, you know, rename it, because God is a God of abundance. God is a God of breakthrough. Rename your valleys. Here's some four facts about valleys. Number one, valleys happen. They just, it's a part of life. You know, there are problems and difficulties in this life. Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble. Man, I love the promises of God, but I wish that one had been left out, to be honest. You know, so when you go through things, it's not because you're a bad person. It's simply because you're a person. This world is not our home. You know, don't get too comfortable 
with the things of this world because we're just passing through. You know, there's a home ahead of us that is eternal and it's real, more real than this life. And we are passing through. We'll have troubles in this life. But Jesus said, be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. Valleys are unpredictable. I don't know about you, but I've never planned a flat tire. They just happen. A phone call happens and suddenly your bad news comes. Or you go to a doctor for a regular checkup and, and suddenly they find something. You know, these things, they happen in life. And so, you know, we, it's, it's not a matter of looking for them. But the fact is they come and they just happen in life. But they are temporary. You know, David said you walk through the valley. And so problems, tough times, they don't come to stay. They come to pass. But valleys are purposeful. And the Bible says this, we know that in all things, good times, hard times, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Find God in the valley and you will find the purpose also. You know, there's a saying that says trouble is inevitable, but misery is optional. You know, it's, it's a reality, isn't it? And, um, you know, don't be like the man in the story I heard about. And he got bitten by a dog, and it festered, it swelled up, and he was in pain, he was angry, irritable, nuisance to everybody around him. But he went to the doctor, and the doctor had one look at him and says, you've got rabies. We didn't laugh, probably, so just me. But, but he said, you've got rabies. He said, hold on, I'll go and get an injection. Anyway, so he was out of the room for about five minutes. When he came back, the man sitting at his desk, writing with pen and paper. And the doctor looks at him and says, hey, it's, it's not that serious. You're not going to die. You don't have to write out your will. The man looked at him and says, oh, that's, that's not my will, doctor. That's a list of names of people I'm going to bite. <laughs> so when you're in the valley, don't go biting people, especially those in your own home. You know, you look after them and just know that God is for you. You know, what you thought was a valley of defeat is a valley of blessing. So here's some lessons from the valley. Number one, the most famous valley of all, the darkest valley, the valley of the shadow of death that David walked through. When you look at Psalm 23, the most famous of all the Psalms, the language changes in the middle of the Psalm. And there's a reason for that. It starts off with, the Lord is my shepherd. You know, we, how much comfort do we draw from this great Psalm? He leads me, he guides me, he gives me rest, he looks after me. But you know, the language changes when he's in the valley. And so when he's in the valley, this is what he says. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. For not the Lord is my shepherd who is with me, for you are with me. For you are there with me. And then he says, you lead, you guide, you know, you set a table before me, your goodness, your mercy. The language changes because in the valley, that's where you find God. You talk to any mature believer and they will tell you the times they have connected with God, the strongest and the most powerful, and found answers to their needs. It's not on the mountaintops. It's in the valley. It's in the dark times that you find the power of God to change circumstances in your life. God wants to take you through the valley. 
and trust him in the middle of it. Intimacy is what you find in the valley. Notice it's called the valley of shadows. David didn't die in the valley. He said it's the valley of the shadow of death. David was talking, he went through many experiences in his life. Times he was pursued by Paul where his life was in danger. Three of his sons were killed. One, one of his sons killed another of his sons. You imagine dealing with that. He didn't deal with that well at all if you read the story of what he did. And then that same son that killed his brother decided to raise an army against his father. He was going to kill his father. David had to live through that, the shame of it, and also the reality of dealing with it. The third son that died was just a baby. And it died because of David's own sinfulness. Because he chose to go his own path and drift away from God and just let things slide in his life. He got himself into a place where he was desperate, messed up emotionally, spiritually, physically. Physically, he was sick for a long period of time. And then at the end of it, this child died as well. David went through some dark valleys, you know, but in the valleys, this is what that psalm is all about. That's where I find you. That's where God is. And for you, I'm sure every one of you have either gone through valleys or you're in one right now or something will come up. You know, things happen in life. But in the valley, we find the Lord who is with us in the situation. God doesn't always remove the valley. Sometimes we, you know, we say, well, you know, this doesn't sound right. In the valley, I've got no money. I'm discouraged. Everything is against me. Debts are piling up. Health issues. People at work don't like me. What am I supposed to do? You know, when I get out of this valley, then my attitude will change. You know, God doesn't always remove the valley, or not quickly. What he does, he meets you in the valley, deal with your attitude, and it's amazing how you come out of it. In the valley of famine, there is a great harvest. And this is a scripture from, of Isaac. Isaac lived for a time in the land and a, and a famine came. So nothing would grow. There was no rain. No crops were growing. But look what the Bible tells us about Isaac. So he's in the place where people are suffering under this famine. It says, Isaac planted crops in that land, and in the same year, in the year of famine, he reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. You know, you might be going through stuff, but just know that God is with you. He's with you in the valley. This is the thing with Isaac. Isaac could have just looked at the weather, could have been like his neighbors. He could have thought, well, forget it. It's not worth getting up. It's not worth going out. You know, some of you might have lost jobs. Some of you might be facing downturn with business. Some of you might have lost money on the share markets. Stuff that's happened in this season to do with finances and our, our well-being. You know, what's your attitude to be day by day? This is what Isaac did. He got up every morning, and he got his men up every morning, and they went out and acted the same as they did any other day. They got up, though the weather was like that, and they went out and they plowed the field. And then they got all the seed and they planted the seed. And there was no water. And it was not like today. You just turn the tap on and, and you know, if in Auckland we get water from the Waikato River, ask them politely and they send it to us. 
these guys, they had to work. They had to dig it up, from, bring it up from the well, carry it somehow to where the crops were. You know, but they did it every day. What happened? You know, God blessed them because of their attitude, because of what they did. You know, and for you, if you're facing, you know, that thing of losing a job or whatever, what do you do? You get up in the morning the same time you always did. You get yourself ready. It might just be in, in track pants or something like that, and because you might not be going to work, but go for a walk. Do something. You know, just bring it before God. Volunteer. Help somebody. Do, you know, just live life every day like there's something to do. And you'll be surprised how God will open doors for you because, because you're trusting him in that situation. In the valleys, we always gain something. This is such a lesson to learn. It's so, so exciting because, you know, sometimes, I mean, you're, you're picking up something through every experience in life. You develop endurance and character in your life through the experience you're going through. And what you're going through now isn't just to do with now. It can be to do with something that's going to happen in the future where this experience is going to stand you in good stead. God doesn't do anything randomly. He's specific and he's detailed. If the valley wasn't necessary, you wouldn't be in it. That's the reality. God's got a purpose. When David was a young man, 17 years of age, he's in the valley of Elah. You all know the story. Goliath's there. He gets his sling out and uh, hits him, you know, something like that. Never entered Goliath's head before. And uh, crash, he's down. You know, but he's still twitching. You know, he's still, he's still going like this. Well, David didn't stand and watch. What did he do? He ran over to him. He grabbed Goliath's sword and chopped his head off. Would have taken at least two goes to get his head off. Pretty big one. And what does David do? So the armies come and the battle's won. But David comes out of the valley with two things. One hand, he's got Goliath's head. True story. Takes it to Jerusalem. Didn't last long because it's just a head. But the sword's in the other hand. And he gave that to King Saul. And David didn't know what happened to the sword after that. But Saul decided to keep the sword as a memorial of the victory that they had that day. So he gave it to the priest so it would be near the ark of God. You see, you fast forward, several years go by. Suddenly Saul wants to kill David. David finds himself on the run. He has to flee out of his home in the middle of the night. Hasn't got time to take food or clothing, anything with him. Just what he's wearing at the time. Jumps on his horse and he's out of town. Goes to the next town where the priests live, his friends are. And he goes and stops off there and he said, look, I'm on an important mission for the king and I haven't had time to get anything together. It's so urgent. Could you please give me some food? And they give him some bread. And he said, has anyone here got a sword? And they said, and the priest said to him, said, David, the only sword we have here is the sword of Goliath that you won in the valley. You see, something that happened years before, suddenly when David's got nothing to defend himself, it becomes something that became uh, instrumental for his future. It was something that was by his side from that time on. You know, you don't know what it means, what you're going through now for your future and will affect other people. I remember like Maggie and I, we've 
shifted a lot around uh, New Zealand and bought houses. We've always, out of necessity, I guess, bought houses that needed doing up. I mean, some serious. And uh, we'd, we'd, by the time we moved to Hamilton, we'd done about 12 houses, you know, done up, shifted, and moved to another town or whatever. And, um, but you start to learn a bit about real estate and values and things like that. So at least you've got some idea. You're not, you're not an expert on it by any means. But at a church at Hamilton, we decided to sell the, the church and, and plant somewhere else in another part of town. And so we were in the process. We bought a bit of land, uh, bought a warehouse and did up, I guess, a little bit like this has been done up. And, but we had our building to, to sell. And so the real estate guy said, you know, there's not much market for churches. You know, who's going to buy a church? And so they said, you know, the land value is about 1.1, 1.2. And uh, so he said, they, they suggested that we put it on the market for 1.2. And they said, they'll try and get 1.1. And I thought, yeah, if they're talking 1.1, I know what that means. I've got experience. That's 900,000 or something like that. And so anyway, we talked together, prayed together, and, and I went to them and I said, we'll put it on the market at 1.8, but you know, let people know that we'll come down to 1.7. And so it went there and stayed there for a while, but there was a church in town, and they were looking for a building. They didn't have a building of their own. They came along, and they saw the value in the place, what it was worth, and it was a great, we actually knew the church really well, and, and it's a great, great little story. But they came to us and they offered us 1.6. And so we came down to 1.6. And, um, but, you know, they didn't just get, like, the building. You know, because we, we'd built a new church. We had new seats. We had new projectors, new, you know, sound system and everything else. So we just gifted them everything. So we went out one Sunday into our new building. And uh, then we taught them how to use the projectors and everything else during the week. And the next Sunday, worship was still happening in that building. It was just... Such a great transition. But, you know, if you listen to voices out there and you've got no experience, you know, the whole story would be different. Something happened on the other end with, with the other bit of property that was so similar where God just released to us an extra 400000 on the other end that otherwise, you know, wouldn't have happened except the experiences that we had gone through and seeing God's hand at work. How do you turn a valley of defeat into a valley of blessing? And, you know, I really recommend you read the story of Jehoshaphat. I think it's Second Chronicles 20, something like that. Amazing story. Three armies came out. Three nations came out against God's people. There was hundreds of thousands of soldiers gathered in this valley. And, and it was just huge. It was much more. Joshua was never going to be able to defeat them in the natural. And he was really concerned. You read, you know, just what he did. What he did is he called all the people together. And he set aside a day of prayer. He called together parents. He called together young people and children. Everybody was there and they were praying. And let me say this. If you're going through serious stuff or you're believing for God to come through and, and provide something for you, you know, include your kids in what's happening because when the answers come, they're going to be absolutely amazed. It will transform their lives when they see what God can do. So he brought everybody in and they prayed. While they were praying, there was a young man, he was a prophet, 
And he got up and he said, this is what God's saying. God's saying the battle's not yours, but it's the Lord's battle. You know, that's what you need to hear today. What you are facing. You see, you can look at a financial situation and, and just get go totally down to it because it's, it's too big. It's too impossible to handle. It's so hurtful or else a sickness or relationships and the family and struggles that you're going through. But you know, when you understand that, you're, that there's a spiritual side to whatever you're facing, doesn't matter what it is, when it, you know, it comes, it's like the devil gets on and he squeezes and he puts pressure on. That's the time to know that the battle's the Lord. That's the time to start proclaiming and saying, hey, this, is, I'm not a, this sickness is going to go in Jesus' name. The financial thing is going to turn around. Praying for blessings. You know, we pray always for God to bless us. You know that beautiful blessing song that's really going at the moment? It's just so true. It's the blessing of God. It's on your life. You might say, well, I'm in the valley. I'm not feeling any. I'm not seeing any of that. I can't. You can't always see everything because there's an unseen world all around you. In that unseen world, you lift up the name of Jesus. You move in faith and you believe for God to break through. He is the God of the breakthrough. And He will break through in your circumstance and situation. And the third thing that Jehoshaphat did was he got the singers and the worshipers and they marched in front of the army. How crazy is that? How would you like to be on that team? That would be pretty cool. But they went out there singing and praising God. And you know, as they went to the valley entrance and on their way in, they got there and they saw the valley opened up before them. Do you know what they saw? The three armies that had been there had started squabbling and fighting amongst themselves. They weren't one army. They were three armies, three nations, three tribes. And they fought each other and literally killed each other totally in the valley. The battle is the Lord's. The Lord is the overcoming. Now, your situation, we're not talking about people. We're talking about circumstances. We're talking about spiritual warfare. We're talking about the battle being the Lord. Stand still. That's what the man said, and you will see the victory of the Lord. I want to say to some of you here today, that's exactly what we are believing for today. You know, if God has spoken to you today, this morning, about any of this message, I'd like you to stand up because I want to pray. Just stand up where you are because I want to pray for you. And we're going to proclaim this battle that you're facing, it's the Lord's battle. He has overcome. He has given you the victory. There is a breakthrough happening in this place. The Lord goes before you. Just stand up wherever you are, just at any point as we're going through this, because we're going to start taking authority and just proclaiming breakthrough in the name of Jesus. If you're not standing, then just be praying, praying for God to move and to bring release in the mighty name of Jesus. Father God, I thank you that you are Lord of this house. Father, I thank you for every individual. Father God, I take authority in the name of Jesus and proclaim the blessing of God. Lord, that you will make a way where there is no way. Lord, that you will break through. Lord, by your Spirit, I take authority over sickness, cancers, serious illnesses, and I break the curse and the power. And I tell you sickness, you go in the name of Jesus Christ. We break your power. We break your hold. 
Father God, I pray over financial freedom and liberty. Lord God, I pray, Lord God, for breakthrough for people that are looking for jobs. Lord, you'll open up something, Lord God, that's going to benefit them. Lord God, not just now, but through into the future. Lord, where the hope is gone, Lord, you'll open the door of hope. You will make a way. You will break it open, Lord God, I pray. And Father God, I pray for every relationship. Lord God, Lord, you're anointing every fear, worry, anxiety. I break the power of those things and speak the blessing of God in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we want to praise you. Come on, church, let's all stand. Put our hands together. Let's give God the praise. Shall we do that this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Amazing. Thank you, Bob. I don't want to leave.